0: Morning. This is Colossians 3. Therefore, if you were raised with Christ, look for the things that are above where Christ is sitting at God's right side. Think about the things above and not things on earth. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So put to death the parts of your life that belong to the earth such as sexual immorality, moral corruption, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. The wrath of God is coming upon disobedient people because of these things. You used to live this way when you were alive to these things. But now set aside these things, such as anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene language. Don't lie to each other. Take off the old human nature with its practices and put on the new nature, which is renewed in knowledge by conforming to the image of the one who created it. In this image, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all things and in all people. Therefore, as God's choice, holy and loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be tolerant with each other, and if someone has a complaint against anyone, forgive each other. As the Lord forgave you, so also forgive each other. And over all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The peace of Christ must control your hearts, a peace into which you were called in one body. And be thankful people. The word of Christ must live in you richly, Teach and warn each other with all wisdom by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, whether in speech or action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, and give thanks to God the Father through him. The word of the Lord.
1: Yeah. pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you our rock and our redeemer amen so as meg mentioned just a recap and to reorient us it's been like a crazy week i'm sure for all of us Um, throughout lent we spent time dwelling on jesus's self-proclaimed identity in john's gospel These are like deep images of belovedness that give a glimpse and invite our belief and our participation into God's life. It's not enough for Jesus to simply say, I am God, get on board with it. Instead, he says things a little more mysteriously, but he also doesn't just speak in mysterious parables. Jesus kind of does both. He says, I am the way which implies more or less or by Jesus's own life shows us he's saying I'm the way let's walk says I am the truth let's share in this fundamentally good reality of a world created by my father I am the life let's get to living says I am bread let's feast I am the good shepherd and I am the gate let's Flourish in both the rest of green pastures and clear streams, but also in the chilly Fearfulness of the valley of the shadow of death, etc. etc. You can go through all of these and sense the invitation so you see Each thing that Jesus is is a breathing moving walking talking image of the invisible God who is and calls us into being and invites us to be with God and each other in this world. So through this Lenten season, Pastor Meg assembled a group of folks who regularly met to think, plan, and pray through this Easter season to get together, and the idea being that we would expand the circle of participation and input and call from and mobilize the immense and varied gifts and wisdom of Oak Church um, y'all. So as we live and move and have our being in this Eastertide season, as we celebrate Christ's resurrection, as we look forward to a, a big season in our, our life as a church, even as it's kind of a summer season and kind of chill and everyone's a little kind of everywhere, we're also looking forward to a big season of transition and new starts, where we'll be together and how we'll be there. And so it seemed vital to explore and to like, reinforce just who we are in light of who Christ is for us and with us. You see, that's a, the key thing, who we are and who we are becoming as individual followers of Christ, but also as the church together. Christ, one body with many parts. This has to be predicated on this true, good, and beautiful Jesus who has revealed the Father to us by the Spirit. Who we are is based on who he is. So each week, in addition to hearing a Oak Folk testimony like Nicole gave about the experience and the action of God in the lives of our friends, we'll also kind of work backwards um, in the shape of for all of our like literary people and Bible scholars in, in the shape of a chiasm or a V, we'll, we'll kind of go backwards from where we've been. Easter Sunday, we heard Jesus boldly proclaim with tear-stained eyes to Mary and Martha at Lazarus' gravesite. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the instant, but also the sustained impact of God on this world. Towards new and lasting life, the first fruits of a new creation, God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So today we'll no less boldly proclaim that because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, we are raised with Christ. We are raised with Christ. Next week, we'll pick up from our Palm Sunday text, Jesus as the gate for the sheep, and that means that we are both welcomed by and safe with Christ, and so on and so forth, backwards in that shape of a V. So as Justin read from the Apostle Paul's letter to a church at a place called Colossae, our passage today starts with a big, fat, therefore. (laughs) It says, therefore. Therefore. This usually means that because God has done something, everything else changes, and we should pay attention to it and shape our lives around it. In our remaining time today, I just want to note kind of three things that I notice, and this is not exhaustive, so I hope you'll spend time in this really rich passage this week and and just get set to noticing um, what it might mean for us to be raised with Christ and pull out these things. One first, it seems like resurrection means a change. Resurrection is a a change of where we get life. It's a change of how we live life. I love that picture of that sculpture. That's actually on Wrightwood Avenue. Just one of our neighbors has this steel beam statue that perfectly represents our previous scripture (laughs) sermon series. Um, Paul tells us that resurrection means a change in our lives, a change of life. Commentators Brian Walsh and Sylvia Kismat have said that resurrection is actually this worldly language. That might strike us as a little odd, especially if we read that passage. It may be a little odd because there's all this look for the things that are above where Christ is things that are above and not the things of earth talk. But then Paul goes exactly for the most earthly thing any of us can think of, the death of our bodies. He says, you've died. Your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, you'll also be revealed. This is cool. This is confusing stuff. If you don't understand it, that's okay. Paul is not trying to get us to think of our lives any other way than than in Christ. That's how Paul is trying to get us to think about our lives, like, like located in Christ. Wherever we may be, however we may be, our lives are with and in the resurrected Jesus. This is because of the death and resurrection of Jesus God showed that nothing will separate the whole of creation from God's love and presence. I love that part of Nicole's testimony. She said, thank goodness that, that, that God became a human being because I couldn't become God. Right? Like that, that's, that's the start or the continuation of this story that climaxes with Jesus on the cross in the empty tomb of Easter. God showed that nothing will separate the whole of creation from God's love and presence, not sin, not even death, not the violence of the state, not the intractability of all the ways that we separate ourselves from ourselves or our neighbors or creation or God. Rowan Williams says, resurrection is in part about the sheer toughness and persistence of God's love. That's what resurrection means. God's love is durable, it is lasting, it is unbreakable. So now that Jesus has been raised and us with Jesus, we're not pulled out of the world. We don't come out of all these hard things or strange situations. But we are sent back into our lives in a new way. Elsewhere, Paul says this similarly to another community. Paul's just writing letters to these churches in places. And he says to a church in Galatia, he says, I have been crucified with Christ so that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me the life I now live in my body. I live by faith. You can even translate that as the very faithfulness of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So now we have this new, lasting, durable, death-defying sort of life. There's not much room for the old ways. That's that's the next paragraph that probably you were sitting in your seat like, I wonder what he's going to do with this stuff. (laughs) Sexual immorality, moral corruption, lust, evil desire, and greed, to name a few, are built off of the untruths that our bodies either only matter or don't really matter that much at all. So we should just get what we can get while we can get it right now because this world is scarce and scary and someone's got to win and it might as well be me. That's kind of what most sin is kind of about. Or lust, desire, greed, which we're reminded are idols. I think that's kind of a helpful lens for us, that these things are idols because like idols, they offer us everything in just take way more than they give us. They offer us joy, safety, abundance, and they they make us slaves often. We look up one day and we ask, how did I even get here? Why am I chained to this phone or this mortgage or this system of belief or this never-ending conveyor belt of dissatisfaction and materialism fill in the blanks? But you see the resurrection of Jesus? There's this kind of anti-hero in a Flannery O'Connor short story. It says, the resurrection of Jesus has thrown everything off balance. (laughs) All of those old ways of being and living that are predicated off all these untruths are now thrown off balance and, and, and set back right in the life that God calls us into in Christ. You used to live this way when you were alive to those things, but now you can, you should, you must set them aside. Now you can't, you shouldn't, you mustn't lie because you walk in the truth. You walk in this way, truth, and life, who is Jesus. Again, Rowan Williams says, the resurrection displays God's triumphant love as still and forever having the shape of Jesus. God's triumphant love still and always has the shape of Jesus. Because Jesus died and was raised and us with him because Jesus' nail-scarred body walked and talked and shared a meal with his friends. Our resurrected lives in this difficult and strange already but not yet of the new creation have to deal with all these mundane realities that (laughs) we, we often do want an escape from but we deal with them in a new way. You don't get a free pass out of having to think and work through these things with neighbors. That's just kind of the work of discipleship. But you, friends, you and I, all of us together, we are given everything we need in Christ to live in this new way. This is not an impossible mission that we're being called to. So I tried to break out some of the implications, you know, on my sheet it says, for us this means. And I'm sure I'm only beginning to kind of plumb some of those things. I need y'all to say with us and to, to, to make these things a reality of what for us this means. I think to start it means that together we have to recommit to cultivating a, like a, a moral life that bears witness to Christ's life among us. I don't think this means that we, like, like get more pressurized or nitpicky in our fellowship, but that we have a a fellowship which we are consistently self-evaluating whether our lives are being lived to ourselves or for ourselves or for others and for Christ. That our lives should be also lived so close to each other, like in proximity to each other, and so entwined with each other so that, we, that we just can't live in secret or self-deception or that we can't be unaware of how our actions affect others. So much sin now is kind of like sin via drone, where we, we just get to like press the button. Something happens there. We don't have to deal with it. And so we, we want the opposite of that in our life together. Even if we hurt each other, we want to be able to look each other in the eyes to forgive each other. Second observation, resurrection breaks down old categories. Resurrection breaks down old categories. The furniture kind of gets rearranged as Paul casts a vision for what life and community that has been raised with Christ looks like. He says, We take off the human nature with its practices and put on a new nature which is renewed in the knowledge of the conforming of the image of the one who created it. And we are also reminded that in this image there is no Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all things and in all people. All these categories all of these identities that have been created to relegate and divide are now being relativized. I wonder if it might be most appropriate to assume that since they've been crucified with Christ too, these identities, they also might be resurrected and transfigured like Jesus in a new way. But we also remember when Jesus showed up with scars, um, It was pretty surprising and kind of unrecognizable at first. But these scars were not totally erased in the resurrected Jesus. So maybe that's helpful to consider these identities that we all bear, that we all come to the table with, as kind of hyphenated identities. Christ Greek, Christ Jew, Christ circumcised, Christ otherwise, Christ... Barbarian, Christ-Scythian, Christ-slave, Christ-free, but Christ-first, Christ-always, Christ-alone, Christ-in-all-things-and-in-all-people." Maybe this is the only way that, like, Christ or Christian works well as an adjective. Um, Like, so many of us that have had any encounter with Christian music are like, "Eh, let's just make Christian a noun, you know? Because when you start to do that, when you use it as an adjective, Christian doesn't even necessarily mean anything spiritual, it just means safe or positive and encouraging or something like that. But to say Christ hyphen something should remind us that it also needs to be whatever we're modifying should be crucified with Christ and raised with Christ. So for instance, bear with me in thinking through this. If I am a Christ white guy, (laughs) it should remind me that my identity, first and foremost, is and only is in Christ, and that I have a chance to crucify and to be raised in all the other things that I've known and been known by. This is the exact opposite of giving my dudeness or my whiteness a Christian veneer and calling it good always and ever, and assuming that these things are... um, The other way you could go with that is assuming that these things, me me being a white guy, are like automatic disqualifiers. Also, white guys aren't going anywhere anytime soon, I promise. It's okay. But it does mean deeply interrogating all of these things in community, by yourself, grieving and rejoicing at who God has made me for the good of God and my neighbors. That's what it means to be Buried with Christ and raised to walk in newness of life. This is the same move and motion that we articulated last week in the baptistry with, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You are buried with Christ and raised to walk in newness of life. Trust me, it's that baptismal water is not a magic bullet. It has, not, <laughs> I know this intimately as having baptized a seven-year-old. It has not changed everything automatically right away but she is walking with Christ in newness of life and learning and having Christ in front of that hyphen of her name and her life. It's not that these particular experiences and identities with all the pride and privilege or pain and persecution associated with them aren't important. It's just that they are like orders of magnitude less important than the Christness into which we've been claimed. These are like tiny tiles on this that are just like texture to a giant mosaic that bears witness to Christ who is our life together. What does this mean for us? For, for us, this starts to mean that we have to continue to open ourselves up to the Christ that is in the other, that we have to be renewed in our vision and courageous in the ways that we organize ourselves as a church body, which is both diverse and unified in Jesus. We have to learn to grow and trust that our pri- primary uh, identity in Christ is in Christ, and that we have to know that that is actually strong enough. That our primary identity together is in Christ, and that is strong enough to hold huge amounts of difference. Because Christ is in all things and in all people. And it's calling each of us into a crucified and raised life. Last observation. And I'd love to hear y'all's observations this week. So go back in here and take notes. Get those highlighters going. This may seem like a given, given some of the territory we've already tread. But resurrection is a team sport. Okay, not implying that this is athletic stuff. But resurrection is a team sport. So many of Paul's words and the things that he hopes for the Colossian community are plural and require others. There's a string of each other's and one another's. Tolerance, patience, forgiveness, all need someone to be tolerant to, patient towards, forgiving from or with. Peace isn't an abstract idea. It's a practice for a community growing in their resurrection identity. God's people should be marked by faithfulness, he says, or uh, thankfulness. Duh. Like this meal, another name for it, is the Eucharist, the meal of giving thanks. It's at the center of our gathering, Christ's body broken and blood poured out for us, this crucified body that is raised in us. And then there's, he talks about the word richly dwelling. What an awesome double meaning there, that the word will dwell richly among you. It's, of course, primarily the word made flesh, Jesus, dwelling richly right in our midst. But it's also God's word in the scriptures, by the spirit animating our life together, feeding us and guiding us, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Oh, and then there's singing. Of all the things... These days you'd think it would say something like, teach and admonish one another with all wisdom via hybrid learning modules and classes and TED Talks and Substacks. No, singing, together. Resurrection is a team activity. So growing in this resurrection life comes with the very imperfect and likely off-key singing of those around us, or maybe even ourselves are the culprits there. This is a a picture of, like, faith in stereo surround sound. I love how Eugene Peterson puts this. He says, Jesus' resurrection takes place in the company of friends who know each other by name, some of whom we know by name. The resurrection is not an impersonal exhibit put on display before crowds. Resurrection is experienced in a network of personal relationships. The name people remind us that the resurrection takes place among men and women like us, puzzled, bewildered, confused, questioning, and even stubbornly doubting friends, and yes, also singing and believing and praying and obeying friends. For us, this means, friends, that we continue to grow in resurrection life together as ones raised in christ by sharing our life together i think this means dedicated times of doing very like christian things but it also just means contact hours of doing all the other things that it really seems that paul is implying are important to group life and worship means texting a friend new or old to run an errand with you pulling someone in to help you with a project or to hang out with your family at the park or to go to a concert or to sit in the stands at an Oak Folk kickball game, can I get an amen? <laughs> or, you know, all these things have a, have a pretty huge place alongside things like small groups and book studies and prayer walks and Lectio Divina and, and all those things that we think of when we think of church this team sport of resurrection means that we eat and that we pray and that we protest and that we play and that we weep and that we rejoice together with each other, with Christ. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. That means whenever you meet a Christian whom the spirit is working, it means that you are a contemporary with Jesus, that you are being with Jesus. So friends, this is good news. We've been raised with Christ. So with Christ, with each other, together, let's walk in this newness of life. Let's walk in this new creation together. You all pray with me. Lord Jesus, give us an imagination uh, for how this works out the who we are in light of who you are. Lord, where we need to repent, help us do that. Where we need to make room, help us do that. Um, Where we need to clear clutter or rearrange furniture, help us do that. Uh, Where we need to reach out to someone, and that's really hard for us, help us do that or we just need to get better about answering text, help us do that, because that's part of how you grow a resurrected body. Thanks uh, for loving us. Thanks for caring about all these things and them all having a place in your um, new and lasting and durable life. Thanks for friends to try this stuff out with and um, fail forward together with and to forgive and ask for forgiveness with. And Lord, thanks for singing uh, that we get to do that together. Uh, We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.